welcome to the podcast that's dedicated to helping business owners prepare for an exit so that you can maximize the valuation and exit on your terms. This is the Exit Insights podcast presented by Succession Plus. I'm Daryl Bates-Brownsort, and today I'm talking to Channing Hamlet. Channing's from Objective Investment Banking and Valuation based in Southern California. Hey, welcome and thanks for joining me today, Channing. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always fun to help educate the community about how to sell their companies for a premium. I think a lot of business owners don't fully appreciate all of the elements that coming into that come into a successful sale. So happy to be here. Brilliant. And Channing, as an investment banker, you've got a lot of experience, and and we uncovered this in a bit of a planning call, but a lot of experience of, of business owners coming to you, and and when they do a deal, if they, if they're not prepared or, or fully um, tweaked their business and in anticipation of an exit, end up leaving a lot of money on the table. You know, when the deal is done, is is what you're sharing, and and that that's something that's near and dear to my heart is is helping business owners not not only just get an exit out of your business, which, which is a great start because eighty percent don't get a deal, but but we're looking for a successful exit, and 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 entrepreneurs are competitive beasts, so they want to do what what's the best they can. So getting a successful exit would mean, you know, ideally with with minimal um, um, earnout requirements on them and achieving a premium valuation, if at all possible. So, and there's a lot that's within their control that they can do to influence the valuation they can get. And there's a few things that are outside of their, their scope of influence and, and things that they aren't controlled. Control. So so let's let's explore, shall we? What What are the things that... Um, business owners can do to proactively help their business sell um, so that they are one of the 20%. And then I guess once they've got that baseline covered, what are the things they can do? And, and some practical examples from you, if, if you've got some case studies to go, here's what a business looks like that can sell. And here's one that'll, that'll sell and get a premium price perhaps. Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. I think the, um, it's generally speaking, it's hard to sell a company. It's a very complex and multifaceted process, and it's really hard to sell a company for a premium. And so there has to be something special going on to get a premium valuation. And I think we'll spend some time talking about that. But one of the things I've observed over the years is um, when a business owner makes the psychological or emotional shift to view the business that they're running or perhaps they founded as an investment of theirs, rather than this is like my lifestyle and I'm all wrapped up in it. And they start thinking about this, this is probably my largest investment and yeah. I need to start making decisions to grow the value of the investment rather than I need to make decisions to like maximize my cash flow or make payroll next week. Um, there's kind of a mental shift that goes on and they're more ready to sell a company. And then there's a lot of personal elements around how much money do I need to support my lifestyle? Um, you know, what's the tax implications of a sale? What, what am I going to do personally, family, legacy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so when someone is not clear on a lot of those things and they're not crystal clear on what they want out of a transaction, it's hard to set up a successful transaction. So I love working with business owners that have taken the time and really put the effort in to, to have the, their personal house in order so to speak, so that we can focus on the business. And then yeah. on the on the business side, there's a whole host of different, you know, elements to think through around whether the company is even saleable or not, what it's worth, 
Is it the right time to do a deal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so there's, there's a lot we could talk about there. Right. Well, let's get started and dig into it, shall we? So you, you touched on, I guess, what I'll call the fundamentals. Fundamentals are, you, you. this is the biggest asset that you've got in most cases. And well, the, 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 the general market that we're talking to, and you mentioned, um, and I'll paraphrase, but it's it's the business that's grown out of the lifestyle business, i.e. Uh, an owner and a number of helpers, into someone who's trans- transitioned into a business where they've got employees and perhaps have even reached the stage where they've made the transition or the shift from thinking about just revenue, year-on-year revenue growth, to thinking that their business is, a, is a, an asset and they're thinking about um, asset growth. How do I increase the valuation of my business? And we know that profit or revenue is just half of the equation of evaluation. There, there's other things. Uh, and the, one of the other ones is, well, you know, other advisors, well, let, let's get our tax accountant in early because if we, we bring them in, they can advise us on how, you know, given our personal circumstances, how much tax we're going to pay, how we can minimize the tax we have to pay, and and then manage our expectations around what's left, what's going to end up in our bank account, and if that's enough. So that leads us to, well, we probably want to get our personal financial planning in order, speak to our financial planner and go, well, how much do I need to, you know, from the exit of this to to get the lifestyle or, or to fund what's next in, in the way that I want. So so there's some some two or three preparation steps that we need to get done first before we even start, you know, talking to you per se. Uh, and you know, with the personal financial planning. And if we know what that is and the personal financial planner and the tax advisor have said, hey look, to get what you want, life after business, whatever that looks like for you, you're gonna need this much in your bank account. And there's there's the the foundation, if you like, of of evaluation from the the seller's perspective. What they need to know then is is a buyer going to see that value in the business, and and is a buyer's valuation going to be bigger than that number or smaller than that number? And then and then they'll give us some planning ideas of what we need to do from there. Does that sound fair? Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So if if let's assume that the, that someone's you know gone and said, hey, look, I, I know where I'm at. I know what the business is is worth. Um, and now I need to get, you know, some of those internal and external factors because, you know, what are the things that they can do to start to put in place to make sure that they, you know, assuming they've got some time to get their business to a point where it will attract um, or, or, or be sellable, I think, in your languages, um, at a strategic valuation. How do we get that strategic, that that higher than average uh, valuation up in, in your experience? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a number there's a number of things to look at in terms of getting a premium valuation. And when companies come to us, the the two things that that we kind of look most closely at, I mean, I'd say there's like four things to really look at and understand. But the two things that we look most closely at are, you know, w- what are the risks here, and is this business even saleable? So yeah. if, if a company has some sort of systemic risk, you know, one large customer, one large vendor, reliance on a key individual, some sort of pending legal or intellectual property issue, or something like that, um, where it would be hard to um, hard for a buyer to get comfortable that there's continuity in the asset. Um, it often becomes very difficult to sell the business and very, very difficult to sell it for like a cash upfront type deal. Um, yep. 
you know, so, so those are some things, those are some things we've looked at and, you know, I've, I've personally been involved in, um, otherwise great companies where, you know, customer concentration killed a deal, vendor concentration killed a deal. Sometimes in these vendor contracts, the, the vendor has the right to approve the buyer or a change of control. And it, it, it's like, you know, the company doesn't want to go talk to the vendor until they know the buyer is interested. The buyer doesn't want to put time in until they know they're going to get the relationship with the vendor. And so there's like, um, we've had companies where there was some question about the origin of the intellectual property and who owned it. And, you know, as an individual running a business, the intellectual property stuff is all well and good. Now you go sit down with the, a public company that wants to buy your company and the the board of directors is hearing from their attorney, oh yeah, this company might not own their intellectual property, you know, which they generate 75% of their revenue from, you know, but you should buy it anyway. Don't worry about that. Like board board members don't take those types of risk. And so I think a lot of business owners underestimate how pristine a company needs to be as far as really having their T's crossed and their I's dotted in order to sell for a premium. Um, so like the saleability factors are one, you know, one thing we look at. And then the next thing we look at is what I would call value drivers. And every industry and business has different, has different value drivers. And, you know, you don't need to like some sort of advanced degree or anything to know that, you know, revenue growth and strong margins, you know, EBITDA are, um, value drivers, but there's a whole host of second level. Um, there's a whole host of second level things that we look at, you know, having a management team in place so that there's continuity to the new buyer is a big value driver. Um, you know, and a, if, if a business is highly dependent on the owner and they don't have a good succession plan in place, the buyer is going to bake in additional cost and risk of that transition that, you know, like I'm going to, I'm going to write as a buyer, I'm going to write a fat check to the seller he or she is going to be way less motivated to show up Monday morning after the deal closes. And then I got no one to run the business for me. Um, I need to bake in additional costs and additional risk into my valuation. So that's going to drop the valuation. And so going back to what we talked about at the beginning of the call, if, if you view your business as like, Hey, I want to make money this quarter, you probably don't spend time, effort, and energy hiring a CFO and this executive and that executive because it's going to cost you in the short term. If you view your business as an asset where you're trying to build the value, you can get a very strong return on hiring a good CFO and a good marketing person and a good salesperson, et cetera, because the transferability and continuity that you can offer a buyer is like massive ROI in terms of the valuation. And so it's a psychological shift that a lot of business owners don't appreciate. Um, a second big value driver that, um, that we see is intellectual property. You know, a lot of businesses have even service companies, but a lot of businesses have intellectual property. Um, but they haven't really thought about how to, how to organize, how to position it, how to protect it and how to make themselves unique. Um, and so that's a second, you know, really big value driver. The more a company can outline a lot of their processes and systems and, you know, prove to a buyer that it's proprietary and unique. That's the, you know, cash flow that's generated from an asset that's proprietary and unique is generate is worth more than cash flow that 
is from an asset that anybody could build. And so that's another like real, um, real value driver. A, th a third one we look at is in different industries have different metrics. Um, a lot, like when I first started in investment banking, I, I did some work in the security alarm industry. And at, at that point in time, businesses were valued based on how many customers they had and what their, what their retention rate was. Um, the yeah. buyers didn't even bother looking at the profitability. Um, cause they were going to take all of the customers and put it on their system. Yep. And so you could look at two security alarm companies, one that was like rapidly growing with good retention rates, but losing money. And then another security alarm company that was, was stable and profitable. And the one that was rapidly growing and losing money was worth more because the buyers were valuing it on the customers. And so, you know, it, maybe it's irresponsible. Your listeners are sitting here like, oh, hey, it's irresponsible to like lose money in the interest of growth. Um, but I would say, I would submit that at least being aware of that dynamic in your industry yeah, so that you understand it um, could be really important in driving value. Um, and then I think the, the, a couple others that, that we look at is what is the predictability of the, of the business? You know, have you, have you built in um, recurring revenue or repeatable systems? Or if I, if I do more of this, I get a customer. And then if I do this, I keep that customer. And if I do this, I generate stronger margins. Have you built these systems in place so that the business is predictable and repeatable? Um, a lot of companies that come to us and, you know, these could be companies that are worth 40 or $50 million. They don't do budgets on a regular basis. And so when, when we sell a company, like if you were going to hire me to sell your, you know, it's end of 2023, if you were going to hire me to sell your company right now, I would be trying to sell it on a multiple of 2024 financials. Um, so in order for me to do that, I need to have like high confidence that the budget and the financial plan for 2024 is accurate, supportable, defendable, and achievable. And if you have not been doing budgets on a regular basis, now, now you're putting me in a position where I'm the first person ever to create a budget for your company that I'm going to try to convince a buyer is real to get a value off of next year. That's like, that's really difficult. Um, and so if you've been doing budgets for a long time and you know all the drivers of your business and you've got it systematized, it's way easier to convince a buyer that the growth is there, the improvement in margin is there, this is there, that's there. And then you can, you can get a premium and, you know, a lot of what I'm talking about is not hard to do, but it does take, you know, time, effort, work and, and focus. And it's hard to do it in the narrow window of time when, you know, you're in the middle of the investment banker process. Yeah. And, and you want all those things in place to be habits, not just uh, one-off actions and activities yeah. that are, you know, for, for this exit yeah. process, because they just won't stick. And, and then it'll be exposed during due diligence. And one, you know, one other thing that I think um, is maybe not necessarily a value driver, but it definitely helps facilitate a transaction is to have really good reporting and analytics on the business. A lot of owners, you know, started, a lot of the clients we work with started their company and um, they just know their business so well. They know like, hey, if I charge $10 for this or $150 an hour or $8 per mile or whatever the metric is, I know I'm going to make money. But but what you really want to be able to do is like sit down with a buyer and explain how you make money 
And so a good CFO or a good business analyst that, that really starts to track the metrics, you know, revenue by product line or revenue by service, margin by product, margin by service, um, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, so that you can explain, you can explain how the business works, where you make money, what's going on, what activities you're getting an ROI on, what activities you aren't, um, so that you can make it easy for a buyer to understand the business. That's worth quite a bit. Um, yeah. That's worth quite a bit as well. And so we have a lot of a lot of clients come to us and they, they haven't really invested in the reporting systems and analytics to understand their business. And um, I think by, a lot of buyers look at that as a risk. Yeah, um, sure. And, you know, a lot of buyers look at that as a risk and a lot of private equity firms that buy companies love that dynamic because they can pay less for the business and then make those investments when they own it. Um, which is kind of low-hanging fruit to improve the value, improve the understanding and value of the business going forward. Yeah. So now is that, I think you said there were four um, things that you need to get a premium. I've got risks. Um, is it saleable value drivers? And uh, what was the fourth one? Yeah. yeah. So, so really, I think we look at um, the saleability factors, which is risks, you know, what are the value drivers? And then, um, the third one is like, what's going on in the market? Um, and just a quick story on that. I worked with a commercial printing business when I first started in investment banking. And at that point in time, um, printing was still a thing like the internet, digital marketing and all that stuff was in its infancy. And so companies were still printing glossy brochures, et cetera private equity and the public markets had built a number of companies that were on massive acquisition sprees. And so when we sold this company, we literally had an auction with seven buyers and um, we got them to bid like multiple rounds against each other and just kept ratcheting the price up and up and up. And we sold that company for, you know, a, a very high multiple for a printing business. 20, 20 years later, you know, internet, digital marketing, email, um, et cetera, like the printing sector had like somewhat been commoditized by a lot of this technological shift, one. And two, a lot of the companies that had made acquisitions had gotten so big that they were not necessarily focused on buying small companies anymore. And so the company that we sold 20 years later, arguably a better company with better technology and better management, it was a battle and a struggle just to find buyers that are interested and so now when you have buyers that are barely interested, it's really difficult to get a premium valuation. So that company sold for a, it was a better company that sold for a lesser multiple. And, and so I think this like market timing and understanding of what's going on in the industry and how to capitalize on that uh, is pretty important. And so this goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the call or at the beginning of the conversation. Um, when a business owner has made the mental shift that like, hey, this this company that I run that I started is an investment. And so I'm going to start paying attention to the market and, you know, market values are high right now. They're low right now. I got tailwinds, I got headwinds, um, et cetera. Just understanding where you are in that cycle and, and what factors are likely to be changing to change that cycle can, can be part of the dis discussion. And I'd say one of the hardest things that we advise business owners on is, you know, should I sell this year? Or should I hold on? And you know, part of that is um, part of that is like 
what do you believe is going to happen in the future? And part of it is like, you know, really looking at trends and having a good finger on the pulse of the market. And so that's a third, that's a third area is just sort of what's going on with the market and economic environment. And then the fourth one is what process do you use to sell the company? Um, you know, I think we've had a lot of, um, we've had a lot of expertise and our whole profession exists by, by running a, you know, a formal diligent auction process to get multiple buyers interested in bidding against each other, um, which, you know, which you can drive the price up, you know, you can drive the price up very significantly. Um, and so really under, and it's not the investment banker process, isn't it right for every situation? But when it's right, it can make like a really big difference. And understanding that and being prepared for that can be, you know, can be a fourth value driver. Yeah. And one of the takeaways I, you know, I heard, and I guess perhaps reading between the lines is if I've done a lot of those things, like I, I, I keep good records. You know, I've got all my, my human resource, my employment records, my, my contracts, my agreements, my supplier agreements all of my processes, if my business is systemized and, and operating smoothly and, and predictably, um, I think was, was the word you used. Then, and, and I've got a management team in place, so the business isn't dependent on me as a key person. So, so there's some of the key areas, and, and perhaps I've got some IP as well, uh, which you know, is, is proprietary to my business, or, or even if that's a process, and I want to dig into that in a second. But if I've addressed those key factors, then I'm in a position to be opportunistic. So I may not want to sell my business for five years' time, but if if I see that there's things happening in, in, in the industry, in the marketplace around my industry, and for whatever reason, businesses in, in my industry are selling at a premium at the moment, I can take advantage of that because I'm ready. I'm already on the front foot. And then I can go explore and go, well, maybe I do sell my business now. It's, it's, it's three, four, five years earlier than I wanted, but yeah, it, things are peaking and, and it's always hard to time the market. But but if things are going off in my market at the moment, my industry, then then I can take advantage. If if I, the, the alternative to that is if I see things, oh, look, my business is firing off at the market at the moment, then I have to get exit ready, which might take two years or three years, by which time the opportunity's passed potentially. And then yeah. before you know it, I'm blockbuster. The, the two, two thoughts for you. One is um, when a business is exit ready, the owners typically enjoy owning it and running it yeah. more because it's, it, it's easier and less stressful. And then the second thing, you know, it's over the last kind of 18 months, we've had a lot of um, economic and other volatility in the world. And so yeah. um, it's hard to have confidence right now that, hey, this is a great time to spend the next nine months running an auction and selling my company. But what's happening right now is there's still a lot of capital out there. Private equity firms have more dry powder than they've ever had. And because of the economic environment, deal flow is down. So there's a supply and demand imbalance on deals. Public companies are starting to face um, economic slowdown and they have a lot of cash and capital. Um, and so there's this situation where a lot of companies are being approached by one or a handful of buyers. And so a lot of our clients have come to us with one or two buyers interested and they're, they're kind of like, Hey, help me get a deal done. And when they're organized and ready, I mean, you, you can mobilize and you can close a deal in four, three months, four months at a, at a premium. You know, we have a, 
company that we've been talking to for the last two years. It's an industrial components business. And um, the CEO was kind of thinking about retiring at some point in the next kind of five, five to 10 years. And he had started to cultivate relationships with a handful of buyers and he got an inbound offer that was a premium valuation. And, you know, we, we mobilized a team and the, that deal cl will close kind of 90 days from the time we, our firm had the first discussion with the buyer, you know, they, they were organized, they were ready, they were doing everything right. And, um, they were able to take advantage of a unique opportunity to sell their company for a premium. Um, so I think there's, there's really something to be said for that. You know, on, on the flip side, another story comes to mind. Seven or eight years ago, I was introduced to a company and uh, there were three founders. There was a, um, a sales guy, a technology guy, and an operations person that got together and started a company. And they had built it up and they were, they were each making an income of north of a million dollars a year running this company. So they built a nice, you know, they built a nice business that had three million plus of, you know, cash flow annually. They got an they they got an offer from a buyer, um, which was like, hey, we'll give you a little bit of cash, and there's an earnout, and we'll give you some stock in our company. And I, I sat down with the the one of the three partners, and was like, do you have audited financials? No. Do you do this? No. Do you do that? No. Do you have a succession plan? No. Do you have, and the answer was like, no to everything. And in the, you know, the deal they had on the table wasn't great. And so we came to the conclusion with them. It's like, Hey, why don't we help you build a roadmap of all the stuff to put together to sell the company? And, um, over a series of meetings and they worked with some other consultants and CPA and attorney and, you know, four years later, they showed up. One of the three founders was having some health issues, which prompted the sale of the business. Um, and so they showed up, audited financials, good analytics. Each of the three positions had had their succession plan in place. So they had a management team ready to take over. Yep. <laughs> um, they, had, they had diversified away from one of their large customers. Um, by actually by cutting back revenue at that customer and getting other customers. Right. Um, there was a, a very strategic and calculated process they went through to diversify their revenue base. They shifted their contracting from annual contracts to five-year long-term agreements. And they did all of these things um, to both prepare for sale and make the company valuable. And when they came to us to sell the company, we were able to run like a very aggressive auction process. And we had like, I don't know, 30 offers and wow. we narrowed it down to, we ultimately narrowed it down to, you know, through this auction process, we ultimately narrowed it down to two buyers and our client was able to pick the buyer that, um, and they were both very good deals. They were able to pick the buyer where they felt like they wanted to work and continue to grow and build the business. The one guy that was having health problems retired right away and the other two people worked for that new buyer and I, you know, still work there years, years later. And so it's a real success story and kind of a testament to, you know, the, the time and effort and preparation they did. Um, and the business sold for five times what the offer they had, you know, four years earlier. 
what you know four years earlier was so like yeah. this this proactive strategic planning process that they put in place to address a lot of the issues you know turned out to be really amazing for them so you just slipped that in but let me just check did i hear that correctly the difference between a business the valuation for a business that's exit ready and not five exit times. ready was five times five times the valuation by being exit ready so if you're on the front foot exit ready yeah. you can take advantage of an opportunity you'll be ready and and the other thing you slipped in is is you know best case scenario is that a deal can be done in 3 months yeah that's significant like there's so many, how many, what's the average? So many other businesses are on the market for a year. You're just trying to get a deal. I, I think, um, you know, in, in speaking to my peers in investment banking, I think that, you know, if you, if you Gantt chart or build a timeline, a sale process takes, call it, you know, nine months, th three months, two to three months to pull all the materials together and buyer's list, financial modeling, write a SIM, confidential information memorandum, two to three months to market the business and get offers from buyers, and then 90 days to do due diligence and close a transaction. Often the due diligence and closing process can take longer if the company is not organized. And yeah. so I think it's, it's, a, you know, it's a nine to 12 month process to sell a company. Um, you know, the, certainly when we've had companies where there's a lot of buyer interest and they're really organized. You know, you can, you can reliably close a transaction in three to six months. Um, you can reliably close a transaction in three to six months. So, you know, really there's something to be said for, um, you know, being ready. So when, once you're ready, you can move quickly because the transaction process is, you know, difficult and difficult and stressful. Yeah. So, so that's, that's six to nine months of less stress and and wonder and am i going to close this deal are, are they going to keep chipping mm -hmm. away are they going to complete um yeah but if you're exit ready it the the buyers can you know they're less concerned because it's less risk so they they don't dig as deep because you're getting the information to them quickly they're satisfied um and you address their 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 concerns really quickly so when you can send audited financial statements to a buyer and you can send them all of your material contracts yep. and there, there's not a series of discussions around like, oh yeah, we never got a signature on this one, but we've been working with them forever. And, you know, we don't do audits, but our financials are close enough to write. Don't worry about it. Like when you're having those discussions, like buyers are going to dig deeper because they don't know what they don't know. And they yeah. dig deeper when you have, when it's like, I got audited financials, here's all my contracts, here's my employment records, here's this, here's that. Um, you know, the, the buyer stops digging and analyzes what you have because you've given them great comfort that you've given them great comfort that they have what they need to have in order to understand the business and understand the value and the risks. Things yep. move much quicker. Brilliant. So Channing, let, let's pull it all together, shall we? So you, you, you go that there's four things that you really need to think of or, or, or work with if you really want to sell your business at a premium price. And the first one is you have to have addressed all of your risks. And the, the, these are the risks that are a risk to you as a business owner and on a day-to-day -day basis, but they present a risk to a buyer buying your business because, you know, what, you know, what, 
they're just looking for continuity and, and, and predictability. And one, thing, and one thing on the risks, and you just said the right word, is continuity. And so what you, as a seller, what you want to be able to do, provide the buyer is um, high confidence that there will be continuity. You know, no one, no one wants to buy a business and then have the top customer leave the week after they bought it and they overpaid by 50%. And so exactly. one way to solve those problems, one way to solve those problems is to structurally solve them in the business. But an, another way to solve them, like I, we sold a company that their top customer was 35% of their revenue. Um, our client went to the top customer and basically said, Hey, we're thinking about selling our company. Can, a, can we use you as a reference? And, and B, um, can we extend our contract a couple of years so that we can provide continuity to the buyer? So, um, when, when, when we would call buyers, they would say, is there one customer that represents a significant portion of your revenue? We'd say, yes, there is. We already went to that customer. We have a long-term contract with them. Here's the name and phone number of the CEO of that customer. You can call him anytime you want and ask about the relationship. Like yeah. we proved there was continuity. We didn't solve the problem. It was still 35% of our revenue, but we proved to the buyers that there were continuity where most of our clients that have a large customer are like, well, um, we have a great relationship with the customer. Okay, great. Can you call them and tell them you're thinking about selling? No, we don't want to screw something up with the relationship. Yeah. Wait, which is it? Do you have a good relationship or are you nervous about having open communication with them? And, and so um, I think like re really sort of thinking about not necessarily solving the risk, but how do I provide continuity around the risk is, um, is another way to skin that cat. And yeah. often it could be easier. Well, you've preempted everything in a, and addressed it. Exactly. Upside. Exactly. So, so the risks are the first thing. The second one is, is know your value drivers. What are the things that bring value? And, and one of the ones that, you know, the key ones is, is have a proprietary product. You know, what are the things that bring, you know, and another one I imagine is have a strong brand, um, which is really hard in a small business, but, but have people attracted to your business brand and, and not have them coming to the person or the individuals in the mm -hmm. business. Um, then you and move on, on the value drivers. Another, another tip that, um, we often give business owners is there, I mean, our firm does this, but there's a lot of firms that do valuation work yep. and will help un understand and identify value drivers. Um, and like, you know, we have a process where we can work with a business and give them a prioritized set of things they should work on to improve value. Um, another two things that I always encourage business owners to do, you know, meet with investment bankers somewhat regularly, like investment banks will do free work for you telling you because they, you know, they want to create a relationship. So they're there when you're ready to sell. Yep. They'll do free work. They'll tell you what's going on in the market, what, what buyers are paying, what they're looking for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, if you, you know, you can, if you listen, if you listen carefully, you know, to what they're saying, that, that gives you the roadmap around, you know, building value that, example I gave you of the three guys, that's yep. exactly what they did. We explained to them what they needed to do to create a premium and they did it over the next four years and, you know, five times more money. So I, I think that, just having the, sorry, having the mentality to do some research around the value drivers and, you know, talk to buyers, talk to investment bankers, pay attention to what's going on in the market and see what you learn and bring that back to your company. That can be really valuable. Yeah. 
And that, that leads us nicely, and you've sort of covered it already, that the third one is understand your market dynamics. Know what's going on in your industry and, and, and the trends in your industry, and especially the, the trends in your industry about businesses being bought and sold. And if you know what's going on there, then you can mm -hmm. be on the front foot and anticipate a move and uh, be ready. Mm -hmm. uh, and the fourth one is, well, you've got all those things in, in place. Now, now is if you've got those, those things in order and you've got your house in order from that perspective, then there's a, the process of actually selling your business. What, what process? Are you just going to put it on the internet and yeah. uh, in uh, Craigslist or eBay, or, or are you going to have a, an investment banker? Is the investment banker process suitable for you and your business and your your size of business is going to make a difference as well? And, and yeah. there's a there's a whole conversation around you know all the different flavors of the sale process. You know, do you, do you run an auction? Do you run a targeted process? Do you work with one buyer? Do you do this? Do you do that? There's a whole discussion around the pros and cons and, you know, what's right for which circumstances. But um, I, I just like if business owner has put some thought into it and really understands it, they're ahead of the game in my experience. Totally. And look, they're, they're the external factors you can't control, but you can definitely take advantage of them and, and, and recognize them as opportunities or threats and you can act accordingly. accordingly. So Channing, look, Thanks. You, you've you've shared it, and and just to recap, you know, address the risks, know your value drivers, you know, keep abreast of the market dynamics in your industry, and then pick the right process for your business, and surround yourself with with several advisors, you know, exit planners, personal financial planners, tax advisors, and the right investment bankers and and people to help you sell the business. But Channing, so so pulling that together, is there is there one singular key message that you want listeners to take away after listening to, to this this podcast? I think um, the the saying um, "failing to plan is planning to fail" comes to mind. I, yep. I think the just the the people that we've worked with, where we've had successful transactions, have put a lot of time, effort, and thought into building a business that's saleable and valuable. It doesn't, it's not easy and it doesn't happen by accident. And so, you know, a lot of people say, look, I'm just going to build a great business and then someone will come along and buy it. And, you know, I think there's some truth to that. Building a great business is, you know, sort of a core foundation of having a business that can be sold. But I encourage people to not do that at the expense of the rest of the research to really show up and be prepared and kind of understand the process and understand understand what's going on. And so I think planning is really important. And then I think every single client we've ever had underestimates the level of scrutiny that buyers show up during the process and for, as far as um, due diligence and crossing every T and dotting every I. And as soon as they find one thing that isn't kind of pristine or there's risks, they take advantage of that. And so the planning and preparation just mitigates a lot of those risks before you even start the conversation. Brilliant. And, and the key takeaway for me, Channing, I, I'm going to say this again because it's, I think it's super powerful. It's if you, if you get your planning right and you do your planning up front, you know, the likelihood is that you can increase your valuation by five times and halve the time it takes to, to go through the sale process. So that's all upside as far as I'm, you know, less stress, 
um, massive valuation. You get to exit on your terms. You're exiting like a boss. Channing Hamlet, thanks for sharing your exit insights with us today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciated it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Exit Insights podcast. And if you have, now's a good time to subscribe and make sure you get notified of all future episodes. Now, if the topics have raised questions about the value potential in your business or how you will exit like a boss, then contact me and arrange a free strategy call where we can discuss what's required for you. Otherwise, if you'd simply like to learn more about how to prepare for when you want to exit, then you can download a copy of our ebook called It All Begins With Insights. The link is in the show notes. In this book, we'll show you how a business insights report can be used to assess your business to uncover your intangible assets and identify the value potential if you're ready for exit and your business is exit ready.